Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. But in order to establish that he committed or was engaged in insurrection, they go back to speeches in 2016. Uh, and they basically daisy chain these speeches to say, look, he's been at this for a long time. I think that the factual and legal basis of this opinion uh, is is really so porous that the Supreme Court will make fast work of it. Yeah, well, that's Jonathan Turley on Fox last night responding to the historic big deal breaking news that the Colorado Supreme Court ruled that Donald Trump, because according to them, uh, incited an insurrection that was in violation of our constitutional laws against that sort of thing that were originally put in place because of the Civil War. Um, And so he can't be on the ballot for the California primary, which would lead to other states perhaps doing that and also taking him off the ballot for the actual presidential election. Well, the Supreme Court is going to get involved with that. Jonathan Turley there on Fox saying they'll make short work of it. It's clearly a bad decision. If you watch CNN or MSNBC, it's 100% the other direction on that. Uh, Trump was clearly in violation of the uh, of this and then and, and shouldn't be on the ballot. So it depends on who you ask, obviously. Where do you come down on this? Craig Gottwalls joining us today. Fan of many here who listen to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Do you have an opinion on this, Craig? I think that um, I think the analysis that the Supreme Court is likely to make quick work of this is very good. And 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 they will this will become a federal issue and they'll say, nope, you got to put Trump back. You know, you have to let 
Trump be on the ballot. And then, of course, the the downside of that is we just further politicize and we further tribe out our our political discussions, our hatreds of each other, and the not that a ton of people still have a whole bunch of faith in the Supreme Court, but I think it's probably the most liked branch of our government at this point, and it's going to lose more credibility as half of the country is going to hate whatever it does one way or the other. Right, and there's no getting around it at this point, and uh, we all knew that was coming in 24. It looks like it's gotten here even sooner than we thought it would. Yeah, the Supreme Court is the most uh, respected branch of government, and it used to poll in the high 70s, 80s in terms of approval rating. It is now down to around half, which compared to Congress, which is usually at like 11%, is pretty impressive. But yeah, this will erode a good chunk. I wouldn't be surprised that the ruling... Either way from the Supreme Court doesn't knock its approval rating down into the maybe 30s, which is not a good place for the country to be. Um, I, I don't know how, because for this, for this to work with the Colorado Supreme Court, they have to have decided that Donald Trump is guilty of inciting an insurrection. The Congress did not decide that with impeachment, and Jack Smith has not even um, uh, charged him with that in his case in Washington D.C. But these uh, no, and and even bluer states than Colorado, which I, I think you could still argue. I mean, it's 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 pretty blue. I mean, it used to be purple. I think it's it pretty, went for pretty Trump though. I looked it up because that's an important note. It went for Trump in the last election. It did. Okay, yeah. so it's still purple. I mean, but even much bluer states haven't taken this step yet. So you, you just you get into the situation where, all right, now we've got one of these. The Supreme Court has to address it. Like like your your analyst said earlier, it, it doesn't really matter for this election because Trump could lose a handful of states like this and it's, he'd still be the, the candidate on the Republican side. But all we're doing is further eroding any remaining confidence we had in any of our institutions, which – it, it's not good. It's when I was when I was 30, 35, I might think, yeah, let's erode it. Let's burn it all down and start right, over again. Right, but hey, right. I'm over 50 now, Jack. I don't want to start over again. No. And um, I, I keep quoting over and over again a column George Will had after one of the Trump cases in which he said, uh, for those of you who say, let justice be done, though the heavens fall. In other words, law is law, rule, nation of laws, not men. He said, how about we don't? And I feel that way, too. I mean, tearing it all down over, but legally speaking, I think the best way to avoid the least damage to our nation is to put it to a vote. We're going to have an incredible turnout again. Last time we had about 160 million people vote. Let's let 160 million jurors who have access to the information decide who they think ought to be president or whether or not Donald Trump is fit for office. I can understand as a lawyer why you would say, no, 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 you, you can't. You know, you can't have a pure democracy. I mean, there were times where if you'd allowed a pure democracy, they'd have kept slavery around or they would have let, they would have let Jim Crow us. But in this particular case, man, you take a guy who's leading, not, not only leading by like 40 points to be the nominee, but leading to be president of the United States, and you take him out for a technical legal thing with a small number of people making that decision, oh, we'll never recover from that. No, it's 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 you're right. And and unfortunately, I think you're also right that that the best way to handle this is to is to make the argument that this needs to go to a national vote. It's too political of an issue for the Supreme Court to um, 
to uphold what Colorado did, which you see that that just puts the Supreme Court in a very strange. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a lose lose now because yep. Colorado did this. The Supreme Court's going to have to take up the issue and they're going to have to decide one way or the other. No matter what they do at this point, they're they're going to be pilloried by half of the populace. Absolutely. Um, I'm at the last hour. I said we're going to try to be less uh, pessimistic, more optimistic. But on this particular issue, I have nothing but pessimism on the direction we're going in terms of people believing the elections. I could see violence in the streets on a close election, no matter who wins. I think it's inevitable. The yeah, half I, the country. I think that's. I think that's inevitable at this point too. And you know, I mean, it, to to I guess to cast a ray of optimism on the the Colorado issue is to say, well, this is why we have a federal system, right? This is why we have fifty states with fifty Supreme Courts and a and a federal Supreme Court to step in. So you you can you can make the argument that you know, color, assuming the the Colorado jurists did. The, the best they could and, and and really tried to come down on this on a legal issue and not have their wishes be the father of their thoughts, you could say, well, this is this is how it's supposed to work. And then the Supreme Court can step in and do what they have to do. But but on the flip side of that, we're going to have the same issue when when um, Texas passes its laws that they can imprison illegal aliens and that they can force immigration laws. And then that's going to go to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court's going to have to rule on that. So Unfortunately, when we're in this race to the the bottom, this lowest common denominator social media world where everything is quick sound bites, you you just get this this exacerbated tribalism that I just I don't really see how we get out of it other than you know that that slow wretched decline or some really massive collapse. And I, I hate to say that, but I just everything we've seen, I'm with you, Jack. And I I would say over the last. 20 years, everything's getting worse. I think air travel's <laughs> getting worse in the last 20 years because if you look 20 years ago, there weren't the same. You know, Tim talked about the accidents, you know, and safety. Well, 20 years ago, the safety profile was the same as it is now, but now the, the planes don't run on time. You know, I just, right. Ugh. Yeah. And I was, <laughs> I try to be optimistic and I go there. Dang it. <laughs> this, this is based on my, I've been saying this for a couple of years now. Name something that's getting better. <laughs> I mean, I'm such an old man yells at clouds guy at this point. Name something that's getting better. I feel like everything's getting worse. And uh, Tim's argument was air travel because there are so few crashes. I was never, ever in my life worried about a crash. I worry every time I go to the airport now that I'm not going to actually get where I'm going. So, you know, I'm not sure that improvement helps me much. Yeah, I don't, I can't, I, I've played this game myself and I can't think of anything that's getting better. I really can't because... <laughs> Because some of the things Tim pointed out are, are technological enhancements or eases. But again, I just go back to – if we were to go back to, say, 1997, where we had email, we had slow internet. It was very handy, but we didn't have all of the – we didn't have the texting. We didn't have social media. We didn't have this this instant world where you never have to leave your house and you can just pretend that you're getting social interaction by eating cotton candy, the, you know, the the – equivalent of cotton candy for interaction. I just don't think it's better. I mean, it's it's certainly better for people that are Gen X and older that that already knew and understood the 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 meaningful aspect of personal connection and relationships and going and physically doing things. So for those of us over a certain age, I think it is probably better. But for society on the whole, I just do not think any of this is better. I think if we I mean, if I always think of the year I think 1997, 96, 98, that's the year you'd go back to and say, if we could stop 
some of the way the technology's gone, I think we'd be better off. Yeah, that's what Joe and I always say. Unplug the internet. Um, health health care has gotten worse, but or, or, or our health care system has gotten worse. But obviously, the technology around health care. I always think about when I uh, when I got diagnosed with stage three lymphoma. The doctor told me he said, and he was an older guy. He said, if you'd have gotten this when I started, you'd be dead already. And yeah. that was pretty shocking to me because he wasn't. That he is wasn't, true. He wasn't 150 years old. He was like 45 years old. And he told me if you'd have gotten this back when I started in medicine, you'd be dead already. And I thought, well, that's that's an interesting way to look at things. Um, so from that standpoint, that's I'm true. happy. But, but for 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 every and, and there have been more of those advancements. But there are, you know, there are things that have gone on in healthcare that have been made things worse too. There are drugs that have been recalled. There are there are procedures and drugs that have hurt people. I mean, it's but. On the, I agree, though. On the whole, healthcare is significantly better than it was 20 years ago. I do agree with that, the, the proficiency of it. Uh, I, speaking of that, since you're an expert in this, I want to get into the weight loss drug aspect of this, because this is really taken off and could be huge. And so many we get so many texts about that. And everybody, well, first of all, everybody's fat. And secondly, everybody's you know heard about these new miracle drugs and thought about it or wondering when can I get them. Who's going to pay for them? How's that whole thing going to work? Among other things coming up. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. The Armstrong and Getty Show. That's right, Christmas is just a few days away, which means there's a lot of people out there sending out their holiday cards. I've already uh, seen some pretty interesting ones this year. For instance, look at this. This one's from the President, President Biden. On the front, it says, do you hear what I hear? Open up, it says, do you? Because I'm hearing something like a buzz from an air conditioner. Or is it feedback from a hearing aid? Let's just go old school. Jill, where's my ear horn? <laughs> 
Here's one from Apple. It says, uh, Happy Shaka Khan. <laughs> Open up, it says, Sorry, Hanukkah, ducking autocorrect. <laughs> Here's one from George Santos. Uh, I got it. It says, On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Open up, it says, Their credit card number and their three digits CBB. CBB. <laughs> Mentioning Apple, how about the fact that they can't sell their Apple Watch and they get that news the week before Christmas? That is wild. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna put a dent in things. Oh my God! Yeah, Craig Gottwalls joins us here, and you are a healthcare expert among uh, other things that you're knowledgeable about, like fishing and hunting. Um, so on healthcare. I don't know a lot about these weight loss drugs other than I know they're all the rage and they're getting a lot of attention and they seem to actually be working. And where do you think we're going with this? They're at least so far expensive. I realize everything comes down in cost over time, but obesity costs this country a lot of money. So how's that all going to play out with figuring out if it's worth subsidizing weight loss for longer savings down the road and all that? Like I can answer that question a couple of different ways. So one way is from an employer's standpoint, right? So an employer has to take care of anywhere from 300 to 3,000 employees or whatever the number is and on a health plan. And so far, every single one of my self-funded employers and, and most of my clients are self-funded at this point, meaning they are the insurance company themselves, right? So they care. Um, we have excluded coverage for all of these drugs down the line for weight loss. We do allow the, the Ozempic, for example, to be used if it's uh, with doctor's orders in conjunction with uh, diabetes, right? So yes, they work. Yes, people are losing weight. And by the way, fully insured companies are following along that as well. They have all, they very, very rarely cover this for weight loss. It's only going to be covered for diabetes currently. Um, the thing with the thing with this this issue and pharmaceuticals in general is that it's still so new that I, I just I don't see employers openly adopting this anytime soon. I, I think this is gonna be years down the road. Because remember, you know, there was like Fenfen. Fenfen hurt people, you know. I mean, there were other drugs that were and then there was that crazy olestra that the, the fake oh. fat that you could eat and it would just run right through you, right? Oh. So it's just this is another example of I think Olestra having so much power. Go ahead. I think Alestro is the one where they uh, they warned you of spontaneous and uncontrollable bowel movements, which is maybe the worst <laughs> well, side effect ever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because either right? one of those and actually, we're we're getting some of the same of that, uh, some of the same side effects with Ozempic. In fact, there was a lawsuit just filed, a new one just filed a couple of days ago, saying they are greatly downplaying the side effects of severe gastrointestinal intestinal issues including intestinal blockages and obstructions. So I just, from a personal standpoint, and as I counsel employers, I just think these drugs are too new and I'm not a fan of using them to, to manage healthcare costs anytime soon. I wanna see long-term results. Now, I think your question was more from the macro as a yeah. country. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, and I, I still think we have to know the side effects. We have to see how these things work in the long run before we can really make that assessment. Because remember, right now they cost $1,100, $1,200 per month. 
And the the deal is you got to keep taking it. I mean, they're talking about how oh no, after you lose your weight, you can wean off of them. You can nah. you can take um, herbal supplements like berberine. You know, you you can then diet and exercise. Well, ha! we know how that goes. I can do that world. now, gonna, and I'm not. Yeah, you're gonna balloon right back up. So, um, I, I don't. I'm not on board with seeing this as a, a great solution yet. It certainly can be, but I'm I'm a slow adopter on these kinds of things. Yeah, that'd certainly be huge for mankind if we've actually figured out something that suppresses the appetite enough in the modern world of, uh, you know, they they, they figured out the hack of our brain for various foods that make us want to eat more of them and all that sort of stuff. See, spontaneous and uncontrollable bowel movements, it's it's the twofer that makes it bad. Spontaneous is bad, but if I control them, I'll be all right. Uncontrollable is bad, but if I see it coming, I'll be all right. But spontaneous and uncontrollable, that's a bad way to spend your day. Brutal. Brutal, but <laughs> severe gastrointestinal issues with intestinal blockages and obstructions doesn't sound like much of a party either, and that's what's in the current lawsuit against uh, Ozempic. So we need to check in on Israel's war against Hamas, and we'll also check in on Ukraine with Mike Lyons. We haven't talked to him for a while. It's going to continue to be a giant story heading into 2024, maybe even an election issue. So I hope you can stick around. A lot more on that. If you missed a segment, get the podcast Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Iran backed Houthi rebels in Yemen, launching two more attacks on commercial ships in the Red Sea, just as the U.S. announced a naval task force to counter the threat. The U.S. joining nine countries to escort vessels passing through the crucial trade route after major companies, including oil giant BP, paused operations. But the Houthis vowing further attacks in retaliation for Israel's war in Gaza. Bottom line is, these attacks have to stop. They need to stop. They're unacceptable. Uh, The United States, our allies and our partners will do what we have to do to counter these threats and to protect these ships. Uh, that's Kirby there, the spokesman, and I, I like him. He seems like a good dude, but uh, the rhetoric of these attacks have to stop. 
They're unacceptable. Well, um, there have been over 100 now. We're not doing much to deter them. So uh, uh, you can't say they're unacceptable. We seem to be accepting it. I mean, by definition, we seem to be accepting relentless attacks on our troops and our machinery by Iran and their proxies. And uh, I don't know how else you look at that. Uh, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. We want to check in with Mike Lyons, who we we love talking to about anything uh, military-wise. Maybe you see him on CNN. Maybe you follow him on Twitter, at M-A-G Mike Lyons on Twitter. Um, in fact, I got a tweet that I want to read to him from yesterday and have him explain more. Mike, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show again. Hey, guys. Good to be back, as always. Let, let's start with the over 100 times that Iran or people at the behest of Iran have attacked or attempted to attack us. I mean, have we pushed back enough in your eyes? No, I don't think so. I, I think we keep trying to give this visual deterrence, you know, to carrier groups in the Mediterranean and the Carney and the Red Sea. Um, but we're dealing with uh, an enemy that doesn't care about that because they know that we're psychologically disarmed. They know that we will respond in a manner that will likely cause great damage and destruction. And then the enemy knows that the rest of the world then will turn against us. And so we've, we don't really you know, have the, 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 the gumption anymore to stake a high moral ground about, look, you're not going to attack us. You know, we're going to protect our soldiers and our sailors uh, and the like, and, um, and we're going to not care about what the rest of the world thinks. It's the same problem Israel's having right now. You know, the rest of the world is really concerned about what Israel's doing. Well, Israel's trying to fight for his existence right now. So that's you know, kind of the same example. I hear the dogs of war in the background where you are. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't even get them out of there. I got them out. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. Um, so uh, the the rhetoric of this must stop, this is unacceptable, I feel like if you don't push back really, really hard, you're saying it, it is acceptable. And it, is there any reason to think it's not going to continue? I, I, you know, it's, it's so the, the Secretary of Defense did the right thing, put together a coalition of other nations and of, of others that are, that are going to look to respond. But, th- but we've got to go after the source, not just, um, you know, on the ground. It's going to mean destroying a lot of equipment on the ground. <laughs> we also have to go after what Iran is doing. As Iran, you know, completely supports the Houthis. I mean, you know, but for Iran, that the Houthis don't don't exist. They and, and and we've allowed the problem just to get worse and worse over the course of the years. And that's that's like, like everything in the world right now. The can gets kicked down the road until we finally have to take care of it. So let's hope that this will possibly take care of it, and um, we will eventually respond if they. You know, let's say they sink a um, an oil tanker or something and create an environmental disaster. There's there's so many things, so many really bad possibilities there. I, I don't think they'll get to our ships because of the defense platforms that we have there. Uh, but there's a lot of tragedy that could still take place there. And then, of course, the money that's being lost, you see a lot of the ships are being diverted already to the, to the south uh, of, in, in Africa in that regard. And then the, all the Egyptians, Egyptians have to be mad. They're losing about, my, my son tells me it's a million dollars to take a ship down and back into the Suez Canal, so they're losing all that money that's taking place there. So let's, let's hope the rest of the world recognizes that this is a problem and gets on board with it as well. Yeah, I keep using the example. The Wall Street Journal had a story several weeks ago now about how a, a, a an attack drone got lodged in the ceiling of a building and the bomb didn't go off. It If it had, it would have killed a whole bunch of U.S. servicemen. So that was just yeah. luck that... Right. You know that that didn't happen. So I feel like you got to respond as if it did, but you know we're not. 
Well, and the, the kind of attacks that the drones can make on the ships, they, they could be swarm attacks. We just haven't seen that yet, but, but that's really would be a, a tremendous escalation because if you fire, you know, we saw that ship the other day, the Carney was that fired something like 14 or 15 drones shot them out of the sky. If you, if you sent 100 or 1,000 at the Carney, that, that would be a problem for that ship. And one of them would get through, and then, and then what do we have? And so, you know, that's, for, for whatever reason, we're just on this luck factor of saying, oh, you know, right. it hasn't been bad. No one's dead yet, so that we're just going to continue to go, and it just, it just doesn't make sense. To the war between Israel and Hamas, I'm looking at this tweet of yours from yesterday. I'll just read it. I was thinking the U.S. and Israel were talking past each other about what the U.S. wanted Israel to do. From the news conference today, the administration is not putting a timeline on the operation. Israel will fight this on their terms. Explain. Yeah. So, so I had thought that uh, the United States, from what they'd said, Jake Sullivan, and you know, they were telling Israel, "Hey, it's going to wrap this up here," acting like it's you know some kind of protest formation in Portland or something. And and uh, but but after this last press conference, after the, the last meeting, the Secretary of Defense said, "There's no timetable for Israel. They're going to do this whatever they want to do it." So that to me was good enough to say, "Well, this is now going to go on for for months. It's not going to get wrapped up. We're not going to you know." Both of these audiences are talking to their domestic audiences. Right, or both of these people are trying to their domestic audiences. Where you know we're, we're trying to obviously the political factor of the Democrats right now, for whatever reason, is they have to show some kind of support for Hamas. Don't don't ask me why, but that seems to be what they're trying to do. And so um, in Israel's case, there are some inside of Israel too that 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 are that want you know the the civilians to not be as terrorized. I don't know what the term is because it's, you know they're at war again for their own survival. But once they said that to me, I was good. Okay, here we go. So this is not, they're not going to be concerned here that in the next month, nothing's going to change. Israel is not stopping. They're also fighting a two-front war. They're fighting a war in the north where um, they're clearing uh, Hamas military formations that wage war against Israel to that, to that area there, uh, indirect fire weapons and the like. And then the one in the south, in the south Gaza, Khan Yunus, for example, that's where the headquarters are. That's where a lot of the leadership are. That's where a lot of them escaped to when we had that ceasefire before. And that's you know, kind of a different operation. But the bottom line to me is Israel's not stopping and they're not going to change their tactics. They have to make this a conventional war. They have to bring Hamas up to the level of a conventional fight and get them to surrender. I wonder how much we're saying different things to them behind closed doors or in phone calls than we are in public. And that makes me wonder also, just kind of as an aside, like you're a West Point guy and you've studied all this military strategy and history and stuff like that. How much do you, how much at West Point do they get into the politics at all or do they? Because obviously that plays a role in a war. You might have to do one thing and say another to keep, you know, uh, your domestic audience happy how much do you yeah. all think about that there's no question that at west point that's a force that's taught to cadets as they progress in their careers and get to that certain place but i mean uh, west point trains you know, kind of the younger officers it's really the the ones that have been you know the general officers that are there and politics has made a much bigger impact on the military unfortunately i, I often think about if you brought back the generals from world war ii and you told them how we were fighting war today they would just like shake their head and say you guys are nuts because we'd have this thing over here in six weeks we would take the biggest weapons we have and we would destroy everything we possibly could we wouldn't care about the things you guys seem to care about and we would we would get this thing done and that that is the harsh reality of, of history is how they would look at it and they, they and instead 
you know, we're, we're trying to tell Israel to, you know, you have the president of the United States saying that Israel is indiscriminately bombing civilians. And that's just irresponsible. Right. That's why I was talking about, you know, talking past each other. I mean, that's irresponsible for the president to say that. So no question that, um, and, and the accelerant of social media and the audience and all those things get through it. So again, I, from a military perspective, that the IDF is trying to use its military as a tool of foreign policy to get the Palestinian leadership to heal and get them to surrender, and they're going to do whatever they can in that regard. Yeah, we, we've been talking about it. I mean, you, you take any country, state, village, anywhere in the world throughout history, if you got attacked the way Israel got attacked, where they came in and right. beheaded your babies and raped your grandmas, you would, if you could, lay waste to that entity. Right. All yeah. throughout history, anywhere in the world. And so now what? Where are we? It's, it's, it's an interesting well, thing to watch. And, and the Arab world is not helping the Palestinians. I mean, the Egyptians, as we've talked about before, anytime they open up a barrier, that barrier is between them and, and Gaza to let humanitarian aid in, they can't close it fast enough, right? So they're not letting any, any refugees in. The rest of the Arab nations really don't care about it. They want to, you know, bring it to the United Nations and they want to make a big deal about it. But this is, um, you know, Israel's not going to settle for a two-state solution right now. They're not going to settle for any of that previous ideas about what's going on here. And I don't think they care about what the United States says. You're right, behind closed doors, they're kind of rolling their eyes at, you know, us basically telling them how to fight terrorism because we really don't have a great record from the past 20 years in Iraq and Afghanistan, frankly, and in terms of trying to, you know, get that to work there. So... Interesting. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking about this with you in the next year. And this is the last time we'll be talking to you this year in 23. Where is the war in Ukraine currently? Where do you think it's headed for 24? Yeah, that's a stalemate right now with both sides still not able to take their strategic objectives and align them with their operational capabilities. Um, and I don't, and if the United States decides not to support uh, Ukraine, then eventually it could be in a, years at this point, but it's eventually they will lose. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, Russia is, is building more capacity every day, learning, doing things that are moving in the direction that they're doing better. So, you know, we've got to get off the dime here, get the rest of the world to recognize that. And, and then if you shift the, the world's a tinderbox, because I think you have what's going on in the, in the Pacific still is something that could explode in 2024, given U.S. leadership, where it's going to be, how it's going to change next year for us. So I think I think we're in for uh, a lot of things to go on in 2024, both in the Middle East, in Europe, and then, of course, in the Pacific. It's going to be a, a really challenging year. Wow. Uh, that's a heck of a thing for you to end on. Well, we, I was going to say, look forward to talking to you. Unfortunately, when we're talking to you, it's oftentimes uh, a bad or challenging situation. But we will talk to you in 24. Help you have a great uh, Christmas and holiday season. Thanks. Merry Christmas to everybody. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Mike Lyons, he's a great follow on Twitter. I mean, really, when, when anything big happens, he's one of the first places, militarily speaking, war-wise, he's one of the first, place, first places I go because I want to see what he thought. So this is what we're going to do when we come back, continuing the conversation at least about Ukraine. Craig Gottwalls has been on with me this morning, and Craig has a much less hawkish view on Ukraine than I do. More in line with a lot of you texters and emailers that we hear from that think this is not not necessarily in the U.S.'s interest to be to be funding this. And um, I don't want to put words in his mouth, so I'll let him explain his position because a lot of you might agree with it. Some of you might not. But I want to represent that point of view. Coming up, stay here.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Merry Christmas, baby. Sure that tree. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I said, Merry Christmas, baby. You're sure Some people talk about deep interpersonal problems with their relationships and then other people will talk about pooping their pants. I started uh, streaming myself on Reddit as a gecko taking phone calls and the streams would go onto the front page of Reddit. My expectation is that I would be uh, living here in my mom's basement doing this forever, but uh, it has gone much better than I thought it would. That's a guy who has millions of followers already on TikTok and YouTube and a variety of places as a therapist who dresses as a gecko. Now, he's not actually a trained therapist, has no degree, but he does dress as a gecko. But I can tell you this from years of therapy for a variety of family members. Most therapists are just smart people that uh, are good at listening and have some wisdom. So maybe he's a wise guy who uh, dresses as a gecko. I don't know. Check it out for yourself. Anyway, uh, Craig Gottwalls is with us for another segment. Uh, today, as I'm kind of just going through the motions this last several days of the year, we officially finished the Armstrong and Getty show this past Friday. Joe is in Europe for a couple of weeks. He and Judy traveling around doing a bunch of different stuff. Look forward to all those stories when he gets back. Uh, so, Craig, you know, you listen to this show a lot, and you know my position and Joe's position, I think, too, on uh, the war in Ukraine, that it is in our vital national interest and the world's interest to not let Putin win. We have a lot of listeners, though, that don't agree. Obviously, there are a lot of Republicans in the Repo Republican Party that don't agree because that's where a lot of the holdup is on, on more funding for Ukraine, and you're in that crowd. Why, why don't you think this is in our, our interest or you're not as uh, hawkish on our involvement? Yeah, I would say, first of all, I would say the, the more libertarian crowd is what I would, not the Republican okay. crowd. But, sure. Um, I, just to start off, Jack, I would say I approach all news now 
with the same lens that I've learned in healthcare. So, you know, 25 years being an expert in healthcare, I've learned that the news we get is like kindergarten grade level and it's often incredibly wrong. So, as I approach the Ukraine Russia conflict, I I just I come from that angle, like I just assuming that we're not getting good information and that we're not and that we might actually be getting fed the wrong information, especially since you do have large swaths of both parties that seem to be in this, you know, pro waving the flag for Ukraine. Let's fund them. Let's let's fight if we have to. Mind. So when whenever I see that, I just immediately get I get reflexively very very alert. Mm-hmm. But in addition to all that, if 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 we just say, you know, like there are some people I trust, you know, Judge Napolitano, Mike Lyons. There's people I listen to and trust that I think they're doing their very best to get us good information. I would just say. To what ends are we spending all this money in Ukraine? I'm looking at the debt clock. We're coming up on 34 trillion in debt. We have $630,000 of liability per citizen and only $660,000 of assets. So we are bankrupting ourselves at a record pace. And as I look at this war, I think, well, what? To what ends? So we're we're not going to go in and fight. We're not going to put boots on the ground. So we're gonna we're gonna give them enough weaponry. We're gonna give them enough bullets. We're gonna give them enough tanks. We're gonna give them enough peripheral support so that that every last Ukrainian man could be slaughtered, and then Putin can get exactly what he wants. And that's just kind of the way I look at it. Is this is this is not our border. This is not our fight. This is not our treaty. So I I just don't I don't see the same level of national interest in this dispute that. You know, some of some of my friends in the libertarian community, like you and you and Joe, do. Um, because ultimately, here's the thing, and I think I've heard Mike Lyons say this before: these wars will be won by the side with the most manpower. So Russia's going to win. I just don't think there's any way around that. Russia's going to win. We're just we're just prolonging it. We're just trying to we're trying to weaken Russia. I don't even know if that's true because we're teaching Russia how to fight again. You know, we haven't had to have a fight like this in many years. So I just, I view the whole thing as we're probably not getting good data. There's, it seems to be too one-sided that they're pushing an agenda here, and I I just don't see the end game where it it doesn't result in Russia just running over Ukraine and 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 destroying them because I don't think we're ever going to send troops in. And then on top of all that. On top of all that, I just think it's a really bad idea to be antagonizing um, what is the first or second largest nuclear power on the planet, which is that you know we're 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 playing this game that we're not involved, we're not involved, but we're kind of involved. Oh, yeah. And um, you know, Putin hasn't used a nuclear weapon, so he could have he could have ended this thing pretty quick, but he didn't. So I you know it's it, it, so we want one more thing. Sorry, I get, we want regime change. In Russia, really? How has that worked out over the years, right? When has Russia ever had somebody lead that country that wasn't significantly worse than Putin? So right. that, that's, um, that's yeah. all I got on that, Jack. <laughs> Their thousand-year history, other than a couple of tiny blips, is uh, to have really evil strong men running the place. I don't know what it is with their culture. Um, the closest I can get to your position, because people who listen know that I'm not there, is the idea that it is in our neighborhood, and if it is so important that Ukraine not be overrun, and that if you believe Russia will then move on to other countries, well, then Europe should get their act together and uh, fund that as much as they want, and uh, and and really put their 
money where their mouth is on pushing back on that because it is their neighborhood. Uh, it does bother me when it sometimes seems like we care more than Germany cares or France cares because it's not even our neighborhood. But anyway, um, wanted you to represent that chunk of the audience because there's a big chunk of the audience that agrees with you. Um, you're going to come on tomorrow again. Am I correct about that? Uh, Are we seeing you again tomorrow? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Craig Gottwals. Um, I don't remember what the schedule is. I'm barely paying any attention to any of this whatsoever. Thanks for being on today. I appreciate it. I have another hour to go. Got to get into it. Kamala Harris with maybe the quote of the year. Could have been the clip of the year. I mean, it's that big. Stay tuned for it. Hour four. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.